Like all those scene bands, like scene kids. What you know, that? like My Chemical Romance and like oh. Fall Out oh. Boy. That's like early scene kids. What but then he had. Scene kids oh, David, let me Google this and you'll know exactly what I mean. Just real quick. I mean, like I get, I get the, like, by you describing, by you listing Look. the group of people, Ta-da. I kind of get it. But. With the hair like that, oh. you know? Oh. But why is it called scene? Is my question. I don't know. They're just scene kids. That's what they call themselves. Yeah, you just like, were. You know? Oh Your hair. It's is a state of being. This isn't a phase, Mom. This is who I really am. Yeah, exactly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussion throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Director of Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the Youth Minister. And I'm Jackie Pippin, and I'm the Digital Resource Curator. And we are back with this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast for uh, the week of Sunday, September 16th. We're in proper 19. And before we get into our gospel reading, we need to do our favorite segment, the most popular segment that's probably <laughs> ever been on the podcast. Ever. Uh, the comparison of the country of Japan, where Jackie lives, <laughs> and my eight-week-old son, George, in a segment we like to call George Pan Venn Diagram, where we find the similarities <laughs> and differences between the country of Japan and the child that is George Hyde Tremaine. So what is our, I think Jackie's got our Japan fact for today. Oh yeah. I do. In Japan, it is acceptable to take a nap called inemuri on the job. It is viewed as evidence from exhaustion from working very hard. Okay. And George sleeps about 15 to 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard work being takes baby. probably four naps. And I would say that his job is both growing and <laughs> eating. It's very clear how hard he's working at his job based on how many naps he's taking. And I respect that. Yes. Based on the Japanese standard for napping. It's amazing to have such work ethics so young. I know. Eight weeks. He's killing it. Evidently. So the judges say that is a definite similarity. So we have found a crossover in the George Pan Venn diagram between George and Japan. That's this week's episode of George Pan Venn diagram. We hope you tune in next week. It's been a pleasure. And now we're going to move on to the gospel. (laughs) Of our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) That guy. So... Uh, this week, like every week, our Faith to Go resources, which you can find at myfaithtogo.org, uh, where you can also sign up for a weekly email with all of the Faith to Go resources, are based on the gospel reading for this Sunday, September 26th, proper 19. That gospel reading is Mark eight twenty-seven to 38, and Jackie is going to read it for us, and then we are going to each highlight one thing that we hope you discuss uh, in your faith to go discussions this week. So Jackie's going to read Mark eight twenty seven to 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. 
And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who want to lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. And what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right, thanks, Jackie. Um, So, we have a story here, this gospel reading from... Mark chapter 8, which is the end of the chapter after uh, the gospel reading we had last week. So last week was the last verses of Mark chapter 7, and this is the last verses of Mark chapter 8. And if you will recognize this story, because we talked about it in the context of another gospel a few months ago, I think uh, the same story comes up in Matthew, and so I think we talked about it in the context of Matthew's gospel. So, Jesus is again uh, traveling around. He's in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, If you recall from last week, he was going out of Galilee, northwest to the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, uh, to Tyre, and then up the coast to Sidon, and then back inland to Caesarea Philippi. So, Caesarea Philippi is again outside of the region of Galilee, and it is northeast of Galilee. So, um... Jackie has the first point to highlight. Um, My point is from the beginning of this gospel, um, when Jesus asks who other people say that I am. Um, And I think that this is a very relatable thing for, I say middle schoolers and high schoolers, but I think that I, like this is very much still something that I would do today. Um, being concerned with what others think of you. Um, And Jesus here gives a good example of while he asks what other people say that I, that he is, who other people say that he is, um, he clarifies and he says, but who do you say that I am? Because the, the only thing that really matters is what your friends and your family and your people that you are close to, you know, how your true friends um, believe and see you and help identify who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's, it's hard. It's hard not to be concerned with what wider groups of people think about you, but it's also important that your close family and friends, the people that you spend more of your time with, they're going to have a more holistic view of who you are. And so that's why these outsiders saw Jesus and, and because they weren't followers and they didn't listen to all of his teachings, they thought that he was John the Baptist because they were confused. Um, and they thought that he was a prophet because they knew that he was doing cool things, 
but weren't really true believers. Um, whereas the people that are your friends, you know, the people that were Jesus's friends that were really with him on this journey knew that he was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, just like your friends know your true identity and who you are and all of the things that make you a well-rounded human being. Yeah. And it's, and it's also speaks like you're saying to the, to the power of relationship and the power of truth in relating with one another that, um, yeah, you can know it's like you, the people, the people that were hearing about Jesus or had an eye on the prophets, or were expecting a Messiah to look a certain way and to act a certain way and to bring a certain outcome, uh, had a lot of opinions about Jesus' identity, or at least had uh, kind of assumptions about what that identity as the Messiah looks like. But, But as the people that were in close relationship with Jesus and that were relating with him regularly... Their, the truth of what the Messiah meant to them, the truth of who the Messiah was, kind of had an, a new texture to it based on all these interactions and relationships. It's like that thing of truth, the truth of truth being relational instead of kind of absolute, that people had kind of an absolute idea of who, the, of who Jesus was supposed to be mm-hmm. and who the Messiah was supposed to be and what the Messiah was supposed to look like. But these were his closest friends who were learning regularly. Like their their understanding of the Messiah was emerging as their relationship with Jesus was emerging. And this is another good example of that because Peter's assumptions of what the Messiah, what the expecta- what his expectations are for a Messiah and for Jesus, come into conflict with with Jesus's identity and what he is sharing in relationship to Peter of his identity and his mission Mm -hmm. and his life and his hopes for his life. So again, it's that like that, like power, not of the absolute truths of, and the assumptions that go with that, but the power of relationship in revealing truth and revealing our identities to one another. Well, and I think with that, like the power of relationships to help you go deeper and Mm -hmm. have a more round view. Mm hmm. Um, like it, it is so helpful to have people that you can bounce ideas off of, or that can be an honest mirror to you when you need that. Mm-hmm. And, um, we see that in the disciples with Jesus and we, and we also see their misunderstanding, but also when Jesus corrects them, they're able to go deeper into their faith. So that leads well into my uh, point that I wanted to make because it's the kind of the end of that part. Um, so I, I think that this section grouped together uh, is, a, is kind of a window into how Jesus understands the Son of Man as like, a, as like a, what, that, what that phrase means. Um, and then how he understands like this, what he understands to be this journey of taking up your cross and following him. Uh, and why he reacts to Peter the way he does. So this phrase, Son of Man... <coughs> I think we've said this before on the podcast, but it's, it's, we, it's often, it kind of comes across like a title for Jesus, like that Jesus is the son of man. Right. Like Prince of Peace, son of man status. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from, um, the book of Daniel 
in the Hebrew scriptures and this kind of apocalyptic vision and it's one like like a son of man coming down from heaven is what it, it says but a son of man is like a human um, like we are like born all, of a woman we are all son we are all children of humans you know yes so like instead of thinking oh this is the this like the son of man is Jesus it's possible also to translate it as just the human one or, or a human one. A son of man. So it's almost like Jesus is just when he's describing what must happen to the son of man or a son of man. It's almost like he's just describing what has to happen to a human. Mm. So when he says he began to teach them that the human one or a human must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the chiefs by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So like this idea that human beings must undergo suffering, rejection, um, death, and ultimately resurrection. And that is like, that is not just for Jesus to do, but it is this pattern of humanity, of life as a human one, as a human being. And then he goes into this thing about, you know, denying denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me. So I think it's all kind of one thought by Jesus. It's, I'm going to do this, but I'm not the only one that needs to do this. We all need to do this. And therefore, it is the pattern of humanity to go through this suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. And, and Peter's response of saying that can't be is getting stuck in the particulars of what his assumption is of that spiritual life and of Jesus instead of allowing himself to be open to the possibility that uh, there's a universality to this message instead of just a very particular um, nature to it. Context, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of goes into what I'm going to be talking about. um, About... Primarily uh, the phrase taking up your cross and and following him. So Peter is, you know, insisting, no, that can't be right. That's not how this goes. And I think Jesus calls him Satan because he's asserting that, you know, there's any other way to do this Mm -hmm. other than going through pain and Mm -hmm. suffering and death. Mm -hmm. That he's, Peter's contradicting what he's saying. He said, no, this is this is how this goes, this is how it's done. Um, and I think picking up your cross is, like, can't carry both your cross and your stuff, you know, like your baggage, your your desires, your vanities, your human things that you focus on and cherish so much. Because all those things, like, my need to be accepted, my, you know, my status, my ego, those things protect me from being hurt. And what Jesus is saying is, no, become vulnerable. Get hurt. Not like, well, yeah, like, get hurt. Like, this will hurt. You know, because in Buddhism and Hinduism and many religions, they say, like, like the four, the, the four noble truths is, like, suffering is, that is inevitable. And you can't avoid suffering. But to ease your suffering, detach your desires. So I have all these vanities and these worldly desires. And Jesus is just saying... Those are going to make you suffer. And you're going to suffer regardless. Like, suffering is inevitable. But following him, like, through suffering the way of the cross, it's 
that leads to redemption versus like the suffering that comes from being attached to like vanity because Peter is saying, insisting there's some other way to go around pain. But I think most things humans do good and bad things humans do, um, whether that's literally anything, it's to avoid pain and avoid suffering or to ease pain and ease suffering um, and alleviate that. And there's not any way to avoid it. And so it's, you have to let it, you know, in, in, um, dialectical behavioral therapy, they call it like riding the wave where it's when you're in a place where you're just feeling so much pain, you just have to like let go of the need to control the situation and edit it and just, and fix it and not feel pain. And then just like let it run through you and keep and ride the wave. And so, Peter is insisting, like, he's trying to control and manage and alleviate either the pain he's going to feel or saying, don't talk about your death like that, or, like, wait, that's what you're going to do, right? And Jesus is urging him, like, no, like, you're not in charge here. Like, get behind me. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think it's also an indication, the way you described it, of how Jesus understands what Satan is. And often we kind of stop at the at the anthropomorphized um, like little red horn version of yeah Jesus, like, like this, the devil yeah like the like the yes it's like there are there are a lot of there are a lot of anthropomorphic versions of Satan in scripture but really what Jesus is talking about here is how that kind of is a manifestation of, of more like our ability to question and to question the path that we're on, to like question the invitation to this cycle of, of our own humanity and taking, taking, trying to, yeah, trying to circumvent our own suffering, you know, and trying to circumvent the need to, to walk this path and follow Jesus. And so Jesus, like, if you think about where Satan has come up, this idea of Satan has come up in the Gospels. It's, it's in the desert where Satan is constantly trying to give Jesus ways of circumventing his own journey, you know? And his suffering because he's, and, like, hungry and, yeah, yeah. And questioning our identity as, as humans and as human ones mm-hmm. and as beloved of God. And so, so I think that it's more that Satan isn't so much the... Satan is anthropomorphized but is not actually this being that's going around trying to hurt right, people. Right, like an entity, yeah. But instead is our our ability to question the journey, you know, and, and question the path that we're on and question uh, our identity as as people who are, you know, called to follow this way that Jesus is is asking us to. Right. Well, and I and I do want to clarify one point where it was said earlier, you know, uh, the questions of it. And, and I just want to expressly state that questioning your faith is yeah. not bad and questioning like the Episcopal church and doctrine and stuff like that is not bad. It is when those questions make you feel alienated and make you feel apart and make you feel like those things have to be secret and you're not, and you're not allowed to let those out and work through those with your friends and with your people who know your identity and with your people who are trying to help you grow deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, it's when those things take you apart that, 
call into question where they're coming from. Exactly. So that is our three things for this week. Uh, number one was Jackie's about um, the importance of our identity and sharing our identity with those people closest to us and not creating an identity for the sake of the people that don't know us very well or for the sake of anyone really, but just sharing our identity honestly with the people who we are in close relationship to. Um, the second thing was about the Son of Man and that Jesus uses this phrase possibly to show us not just his path as the Son of Man, but all of, all of our paths as humans, that the human path is about suffering and rejection and death and resurrection. And then Maya's was about being able to engage with that suffering and, that, and the power that that suffering can have in our lives and the ways that uh, Jesus calls us to follow him, to drop things and to take up a cross and to engage with our suffering as he engaged with his. So, Jackie is going to read the gospel uh, one more time. So having had that, uh, heard that discussion, see if you hear anything different. As Jackie reads Mark eight twenty-seven to 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. That is our Faith to Go podcast episode for this week. We'll be back in your podcast feed next Sunday, September 23rd. We hope you have great faith discussions this week using uh, some of these uh, highlighted points from the gospel and using the Faith to Go resources, which you can find at my Faith to Go. Dot org. Uh, you can also sign up for our w uh, weekly email on the website and get in an email with all of the Faith to Go resources every Sunday. Make sure to find us on uh, Instagram and follow us at Faith to Go. Make sure to rate and review this podcast. And if you have any questions or comments or stories that you'd like to share from this week of your Faith to Go discussions, send us an email at faith2go at stpaulcathedral.org. And until next time, bye everyone. <laughs> bye. <laughs>